Welcome to Tucson New Thought. That's the third or fourth time I've sung that song in this iteration of this thing called Tucson New Thought. And I think you may understand that I have a very strong connection to that song. It's very, I, I've always loved that song. The first, okay, the very first time I heard it. <laughs> was on a gay cruise. Yeah, it was. You heard, did you hear Amy sing it? Amy Armstrong? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, were you on the same cruise? <laughs> no, there's this performer, um, Amy Armstrong. She is uh, based out of Chicago. She spends a lot of time in Puerto Vallarta, where she runs, uh, she runs a perf uh, performance space down there. But she does these cruises, and she's very popular in um, the gay circles. And so she, for many, many years, like 10, 15, years she would be booked on the gay cruises as one of the headliner acts and she always sang that song so the first time i heard that song was on a gay cruise and i sat there i was like oh, love that song um and now i will tell you two years ago i started the process of recording an album it's a very long process and uh, that song is on it so when that album comes out you can listen to it at your heart's content Okay, today is all about building mental muscle, right? That's the title of the talk, building mental muscle. And building mental muscle is very much in alignment. You absolutely, you know what, here's the thing. Technique is whatever works because not everybody goes to the gym and does the exact same thing. Let's start with that. But everybody addresses the building of whatever they need to build physically in their own unique way. It's the same thing with our minds. It's the same thing with our minds. So whatever works for you, when you have found it, that is your technique. Now, all right, I'm going to just, because I feel the need to say this, I'm going to get to the talk at some point, I promise. <laughs> I feel the need to say this. We are very crowded in here, right? And let's just acknowledge the fact that we are crowded in here. I think we have now, we've now, now we're at 40 that are in this room, and I have a very strong belief, although I've not gotten confirmation from the property management, but I have a very strong belief that this is our final Sunday in this space. More news to come around that. Part of the reason that I feel like I need to address that is because that's a big song and I sing it big and this is a small room to have that kind of song sung big, right? but I'm gonna be me, <laughs> I'm gonna be me. <laughs> yeah, I gave some homework last week. <gasps> oh, that's right. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm actually thinking I may, I may start checking in every time I give homework and coming back to the following Sunday, say, did you do the homework? The homework was this. When we say I am upset, that's affirming a negative idea, right? I am upset. I am I'm a procrastinator. I am, I am broke. I am whatever it is. And what I was saying is that every time you feel like that kind of statement is coming through you, to stop yourself in the moment. This is part of the practice. 
to learn how to stop yourself in the moment when those types of things come up for you. And let's replace those negative affirmation statements with a question. And the question I I offered is this. Instead of, I am upset, why do I feel upset? Allow yourself to go on the journey. Somebody wrote uh, on the little form that says, if you have any questions, around anything that was said in service, write the question down and I address it later online. So I did that last week. And uh, one of the questions that came up is, so we asked the question, then what? We asked the question, then what? Um, And actually what I went to is one of the tools that I really love, and that is the work of Byron Katie. The work, so if you look up the work, it's called the work. Look that up with Byron Katie, and I'm not going to talk about it today, but it is, a less, it is a tool that I have put into my spiritual toolbox that I get to utilize. So if we're talking about building mon- mental muscle, what we're talking about is developing the spiritual toolbox that we can turn to at any moment when we are feeling less than and understand, remember who we are, that we are the magnificent, infinite, divine presence as us right here and right now. Incorporate the tool so that we move through with grace and with ease, whatever it is that is not feeling so good in that moment. That's the work we are here to do. Ernest Holmes wrote this, which I will say in just a second, because here's what I want. (laughs) A lot of people are attracted to centers for spiritual living, religious science uh, centers. We are attracted to the new thought philosophy. We're attracted to unity. We are attracted to these, to these, to these ideological constructs because they're like, they're promising me something. They're promising that my life can get better. And well, they must have tools. They must have a way of, 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 of teaching me how to get what I want in life. And so I preface that by saying this, Ernest Holmes says, we do not teach that you can get what you want. We do not teach that you can get what you want. We teach that you can have whatever it is you are equal to in mind. That's what we teach. When we remove the idea that we have to manipulate the world of circumstance into aligning with our desires, it's never about manipulating the world of circumstance. It is never about manipulating the world of form. It is never about trying to get more money in our bank account and trying to figure out how do I work more hours to get the more money in the bank account so that I can have the life that I want to live. It's about saying, I know who I am. I will choose to be who I am. I know that I am infinite prosperity expressed right here and right now. And with that mental construct, everything else takes care of itself. But the work is entirely mental, 100%. Ernest Holmes said this, wrote this. This teaching should not be confused with the idea that we can show people how to get what they want. Let us never be confused in that. Now, if you're here for the first time, and you're like, but I want something. I was told that I could get something. I'm disabusing you of that notion right here and right now. I have observed, though, and this may be part of the path that you're, you're on. I have observed a pattern of awakening. I have observed a pattern of awakening from I want something different in my life. That was a mental construct. I actually was attracted to this philosophy because I wanted something different in my life. I want something different in my life. This philosophy tells me my life can be different. It tells me that. I mean, one of the first things you learn is change your thinking, change your life. 
And most people think if I do the work of changing the things out here, I will change my life. Well, no, change your thinking, change your life. I can manifest whatever I put my mind to, right? We teach that. Yes, you can make manifestations. We call them demonstrations in the world of form. And you know, we have all of these, we have this language that we use in the religious science movement. It's all jargony. And if you're not familiar with it, you can always ask me about any of the language that we use. I try to say, we call it, it's like demonstration, right? <laughs> I talked about mental equivalent last week. Right. Oh, I have a mental equivalent, so I will create the demonstrations in my life that I require and desire. I'm like, oh, that's a bunch of hooey. If I change my mind, <laughs> my life shows up exactly according to what's in my mind. That's it. That's it. It's a much simpler way of than, oh, I have a mental equivalent. <laughs> so we begin right where we are. We have a need, we have a want, we have a desire, usually born out of a dissatisfaction with the things in our life born out of dissatisfaction. We are taught to base our own personal value. And I really, as I say this statement, I want you to just check in with yourself to see in what ways might you be holding on to a belief where, we, where, where you may have been taught that your value of self is based on things. Because we live in a culture in this country we live in a culture in this country where we are taught to base our personal value on things, on the things we can acquire, on the things that are tangible in our lives. It's not true. Our value has nothing to do with those things. Those things are a reflection of our value. So it actually works the opposite. Things are just things and they have nothing to do with the inherent truth of your being, which is you are magnificent. You are magnificent. To what degree do you embody that notion? Do you embody that idea to know that that is the absolute truth of you? You are magnificent and you don't need me to tell you that unless you do, <laughs> which is why you keep showing up on Sunday. Thank you. And I will keep telling you because in everything I put out in the world, everything, if you watch my daily video, I always say you are love, you are light, you are life, you are magnificent. I say it all the time because I really want us all to get it. We are magnificent and it's not because of anything we do or anything in the world of form. It is the natural state of our beingness. How does that feel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is saw. Uh, I don't know what that was. <laughs> it's a movie I've never seen. <laughs> I don't care for those kinds of movies. <laughs> what we teach is that you can have whatever you are mentally equal to. And then I will ask you this, because then this is often the next question. Well, I'm equal to a billion dollars. <laughs> aren't I? <laughs> and I say, well, yes, of course, because you are the infinite nature of the divine. You are magnificent. And that may be a mental equivalent in your mind. But now the thing to address is what is the belief that is holding you back from actually having the experience of a billion dollars? Because our belief sets the limit to those demonstrations in the world of form. The infinite nature is coursing through us as us at all times. And it is only our belief that holds us back. That's it. So last week I talked a lot about the, p 
path of the path of spiritual practice is to develop and deepen into awareness of those places where we block ourselves in our belief system so that we can remove those blocks, change the belief and experience something new. I really, it's like warrior. So the only thing, the only thing, the only thing that exists is God and our experience of that divine power as that divine power is based solely on the beliefs we hold that limit our experience of that power. Everything in the world of form is actually an expression of a limitation in that infinite idea. Everything in the world of form is an expression of a limitation in that infinite idea. And I'm actually grateful for that. I am grateful for that because I'm having a blast living in some of my limitations. And I'm having a blast living in my limited idea of who Jonathan Zenz is. I'm having a good time. And if I really like give over to the infinite nature that is me, well then does my identity cease to be? Something to consider. It's just something to consider. I like my identity. And I like expanding the confines of my idea about what my identity is, too. And I like to play different roles. I think that's why I was an actor for so long. I loved to play different roles. I loved to go on stage and take on a different identity. And we're doing that in our lives. Every single situation we are in, we are playing a different role based on the circumstances of that situation. We limit ourselves in the experience of those situations based on those situations. And it's kind of this, you know, hmm, all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts. And I will use gendered language because that's what Shakespeare did. <laughs> I'm like, where are my, my notes? Somebody asked, so somebody asked me, do you like channel? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I do write notes, but essentially like whatever's coming up is what comes up and I just ride with it, right? So the expression of your life, the expression of your life, everything that shows up in your life. Now this, I don't want this to sound depressing, but for some people, this may sound depressing. What I wanna be clear on is as I say this, there is an opportunity for each and every one of us to change our minds so that it is not a depressing concept. Here's the concept. Everything that shows up in our life is a reflection of our self-worth. So what's in your life? Do you like it? Do you not like it? All of it is a reflection of your self-worth. If you want greater freedom and wealth, look at your sense of self-worth. And that's the pattern. I talked about. We go from this idea of this philosophy tells me that I can have whatever I want, I can get whatever I want, and that's what I'm going to start with. And as you develop your spiritual practices, you develop your spiritual identity, you move from the idea of valuing things to valuing the self and the things show up that are in alignment with that self-value. It is up to us to cultivate a connection with ourselves. And I am so grateful that you talked about self-love too. 
If y'all know, one of my favorite spiritual gurus is RuPaul. <laughs> Seriously, look up the magnificent things that RuPaul says in this world about self-worth and self-value and who you are in this world. Because RuPaul starts or ends every single show with this. If you can't learn to love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anyone else? Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? And it is the absolute truth. It is all about self-value. Everything comes back to who do I believe myself to be? I choose to identify myself as this infinite divine power in everything. And so I know that everything that shows up is a reflection of that idea. And as it shows up, if I don't like it, I get to change my mind about it. It is up to us to cultivate that connection. Now, in the science of mind, we provide some tools. Meditation affirmation, visualization, visioning, spiritual mind treatment, also known as affirmative prayer. These are tools that have one purpose and one purpose only to change your mind. That's it. We are here to teach you how to change your mind and you get determined. You get to determine, you get to determine the way in which you would like your mind changed. But that's all we're ever teaching is how to change your mind. You determine what tools work for you. Because I know there are people like, oh, meditation does not work for me. Affirmations, they don't work for me. But spiritual mind treatment, that really works for me. Find what works. That's the technique. Technique is anything that works. But you must do the work, which is why it's building of mental muscle. I had a, uh, in 2010, I was living in Los Angeles and I had a Toyota Tercel, a little blue Toyota Tercel, and it was a manual transmission. Remember those? People ask me, do you know how to drive a manual transmission? I'm like, that's what I was trained on. I, yes. But I had this manual transmission Toyota Tercel, and um, it was a real beater of a car. And there, were, there, there came a point where I was driving it, and I was terrified of driving it, like the two miles it took. I was one of those rare people in LA who lived two miles away from where they worked and I never had to take the freeway to work. But I would get concerned, I would be in my car, I'm like, am I gonna actually make it today? <laughs> yes. So I'm driving this dangerous car on the streets of Los Angeles. Kept hobbling along, you know, and I'm like, oh, science of mind teaches me that I could have a new car. <laughs> Why don't I have a new car? <laughs> what I came to recognize is there was some block in me that allowed this consciousness. That beat up old car was a reflection of my self-value. And what I needed to address ultimately was I know who I am and I am equal to the experience of not a used car, a brand new car. And I stepped up and I said, you know what? It is time that I understood who I was to such a degree that I can walk into a car dealership with lousy credit, not a trade in that nobody's gonna want. Nobody's gonna want that car. And I can walk out with a brand new car with low financing. I made this decision. So I walked into a, I, well, I went to a, I went, first went to a Toyota dealership and uh, the issue that I had with pretty much all the Toyota cars is that I would get in the car and I would feel like this. And their roofs are really low. 
and I have a long torso, so I need like a high roof in whatever car I, I, I drive. And I was like, oh, I kind of like the Prius, you know, I want to be, I want to think about the environment. And so the Prius sounds like a really good idea to me. And I just didn't feel quite right in that car. And then I went and I talked to uh, the salesman and they looked up, you know, based on my credit, like what my rate would be. <laughs> oh, it was not a good rate. <laughs> And I thought, okay, there are other options out there. So I went, over the, I, went, I went down the street and I went to the Nissan dealership. And clearly my consciousness was more in alignment with a Nissan Versa because I walked in. The Nissan Versa, it's a compact car, but it has higher ceilings. I walked in, I got in the car, I'm like, oh, this is my car. And they had the color that I wanted. And I was so excited and I thought, yes, I am equal to this. And so I went and I sat down with a car salesman and I negotiated and did my thing as I do. And you know, I've said earlier this week, there is nothing that is non-negotiable in life. I hold to that because there is nothing that is non-negotiable when you're dealing with car salesmen. <laughs> and I got that car. I deepened my own sense of self-worth and I got that car at a really good price and 0.9% financing. <laughs> even with lousy credit. What I had to release was my doubt and fear and the limited idea of who I was. God, I loved that car. <laughs> now the irony is, I, had that, I bought that car in the summer of 2010. In the summer of 2011, I became a minister and in January of 2012, I drove that car to Canada <laughs> where I served as the spiritual director and then I had to get rid of the car because you don't need a car in Toronto. And I thought, well, I don't want to pay the import tax on what is the value of the car. And I said, so I sold it and that car went out of my life. <sighs> the tools that I learned in class are ultimately the tools that I embodied to be able to have that kind of experience. And that's, you know, I will, there's a tacit part of me that says, should I mention that I'm starting a class on Wednesday? <laughs> I got to have that new car smell. I got to experience it for real when I became equal to it in mind. That's how I got a new car. Ernest Holmes says, we do not take what we wish, but we do attract to ourselves that which is like our thought. We provide the mold, and unless the mold is increased, substance cannot increase in our experience. So our job is to expand our understanding, to expand the mold that we create in mind so that we can have the most magnificent experience of life possible. The work is work. You didn't know I was gonna say that today, did you? Because you mentioned it. The work is work. And it will continue to be work until you have embodied a new idea and then it is no longer work, it is your new way of being. But you have to do the work. This is the mental muscle method of development. Meditation, allow yourself the luxury of contemplation. Allow yourself the luxury of dreaming what it is you would like to experience in life. Allow yourself that. Communication. To whom are you communicating and are those people in alignment to support you and your ideas or are they not in alignment to support you and your ideas? And I tell you, if you are going to communicate your desires, your dreams, your wishes, your wants in this world, communicate it to people who will support you, not tell you that you can't. 
But don't be afraid to talk about those things to the right people. Because I hear a lot of people say, don't ever tell people your dreams. Because all you're ever going to get is, no, you can't. Well, that's a belief. You get to decide whether that belief holds true for you or not. Intention. As you know what it is you want, are you firmly rooted in your intention? What is an intention? It is greater than a good idea. Your intention is, the way that actually it was described to me, intention is this. If I have the intention to go to the movies, I actually get in the car, drive to the movie theater, buy my popcorn, and sit down in the movie theater and watch the movie. If I have the idea of going to the movies, I think about, oh, I could get in my car, go down, drive to the movie theater. Yeah, it's a nice idea. But the intention is actually rooted in follow through. So intention means follow through. Attention. Pay attention to what is happening in your world. Pay attention to what is happening in your world because it is a reflection of what is happening in your mind. And here's a really big one for me, accountability. And I say it's a big one for me because I require accountability. You know, I talked last week about having a little pooch that I would like to let go of. <laughs> As I'm like, all right, suck it in. That looks really uncomfortable, doesn't it? <laughs> The best shape I was ever in in my life was when I hired a personal trainer. There's my accountability. And that's what mental muscle is all about. It is about finding the personal trainers in your life who are going to be the ones who say to you mentally, do the work, live the results. Do the work and live the results. But you have to do the work. So find those people who will hold you accountable. Find those people who will hold you accountable. So I feel like I need to be out here. Oh, hi, William. Find those people who will hold you accountable in the right way that are affirmative. Do the work, live the results. So here's your homework. I would like you this week to define some clarity around... To define some clarity, I just want to be entertaining sometimes, to define some clarity around the spiritual tools that are in your spiritual toolbox. I want you to define some clarity around those tools that you use and really determine, are they working for you? That's what I would like you to get clear on this week. If they are not working for you, discard them. They no longer work for you. Get rid of them. You don't need them in your experience and find something new. Find something new. Find that which works and begin to utilize it and embody it and change your life. You know why? You are worth it. Namaste. Namaste. Hello, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of My Sunday Message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, www.tucsonnewthought.org. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.